This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, O Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. record this we are in the midst of three amazing days pi day 314 the ides of march march 15th and of course stone cold steve austin day 316 but we're also between two other gigantic american touchstones the oscars and march madness Which is why, at least in segments, for the next several weeks, we are going to be conducting our second presidential bracket. So I guess we've done this in the past. It's probably not our second. Uh, We did the American Sex Scandals bracket a couple years ago. We did the Amendments March Madness bracket two years ago. And today, I am here to introduce to you the... Fictitious American President's Bracket. This is going to be an absolute blast, but we're going to do it a little bit differently than we've done in the past. So, ever since social media, people have usually used brackets as a way to drive engagement on social media. So, you do these Twitter polls and stuff like that. And, like, I don't know. To be totally honest with you, I want to keep this whole thing on the podcast. So I am going to rely on you guys to write in whatever argument you want for each of these head-to-head battles. We're going to reveal the winners of those battles next week. And each segment that we do for this, we're going to bring on a a guest and uh, they're going to help me debate through the merits and weaknesses of each of these candidates. But I'm going to announce them by myself this week. We've got eight, eight fictitious presidents, most from movies. We have a, a TV, a couple TV ones in here, but they are themed into initial battles. Now, here is the criteria. We are looking at the entire totality of their presidency, regardless of when they were in the office based on the artistic work that they were shown. So obviously that's probably going to be covering the most interesting and exciting part of their presidencies. But if it's worthwhile as a tiebreaker, then go ahead and factor that in. This will be based on how presidential they are. So basically, if we were to run them in a campaign against the other one, which one would win? Now, if we want to get way in the weeds on like whether or not one president would be stronger in the Midwest and the other would take the South and who does better with white uh, whites without a college degree. Then you can, but that's going to be on you. I'm not going to spell that out for you. Although maybe when we get 
to the final round. We can do a full 50 state by state who wins and who loses uh, uh, election night special. The rest of it will be on electability and we will take the record of these presidents into account. And so, without any further ado, I'm getting played off right now. My name is Justin Robert Young. This is Politics, Politics, Politics. But My plane. Oh, we are starting things off right. It is our foreign policy bracket. We begin with President James Marshall of Air Force One. James Marshall is a traditional, strong-willed, iron-spined foreign policy president. Indeed, the inciting incident of this movie is President Marshall saying that we will not negotiate with terrorists. Unfortunately, his plane is hijacked by a Soviet separatist sect in Kazakhstan. Boy, Kazakhstan. Holy moly. I don't know who their publicists are, but they go from almost killing the president in Air Force One to Borat in like 15 years. Somebody needs a rebrand. Anyway, President Marshall hides in the cargo hold of Air Force One. They think that they have gotten him off to safety, and then he diehards his way throughout the rest of these henchmen and eventually utters the iconic, get off my plane. As a president, what we can say for sure is that he's kind of a Republican, like Reagan era, wet dream. He has a female vice president, so he's progressive. This is very much a, a, a you know, a, more of a muscular version of some of the other archetypes that we're going to get to in a second that were written by Aaron Sorkin. But like, he is obviously fit and virile. I don't know if anybody would truly be able to beat him if he ran for office after this. I don't think that the the the, the guy who actually you know, uh, uh, beat up and killed terrorists on his own plane is something that's going to to lose unless the economy's really in the tank. Then again, maybe the only person with a stronger foreign policy background is in less than an hour. Aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July. 
then you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live, to exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night, we will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. President Thomas J. Whitmore. This dude not only fights off a alien invasion, so not just the Soviets. Not a, I mean, come on. Look, nice. It's nice. It's nice, President Marshall. You fought off a sect, a breakaway sect of the Soviet Union. Okay. Nice. It's not bad. It's nice. Not exactly aliens coming out of the sky. And you have to rally the entire world together. And not only does he get involved, he's in a plane when they take down the big aliens. So, all right, imagine a race. Imagine a race between these two. President Marshall, he's telling a very iconic story. And, you know, he's got some foreign policy connections, but I got to feel like the rest of the world would still be in shock by the fact that there's all of these, all of these uh, uh, spaceships littering the planet. And he was the one that spearheaded everything. And again, it's Independence Day, not just a, not just a holiday for Americans. No, no, no. The whole world now. And he's the one that gave the speech. By the way, I'm not counting the sequel to Independence Day because I haven't seen it. Let's move on to our next bracket. I like how you call homosexuality an abomination. I don't say homosexuality is an abomination, Mr. President. The Bible does. Yes, it does. Leviticus. 18.22. Chapter and verse. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions while I had you here. I'm interested in selling my youngest daughter into slavery, as sanctioned in Exodus 21.7. She's a Georgetown sophomore, speaks fluent Italian, always cleared the table when it was her turn. What would a good price for her be? While thinking about that, can I ask another? My chief of staff, Leo McGarry, insists on working on the Sabbath. Exodus 35.2 clearly says he should be put to death. Am I morally obligated to kill him myself, or is it okay to call the police? Here's one that's really important, because we've got a lot of sports fans in this town. Touching the skin of a dead pig makes one unclean. Leviticus 11.7. If they promise to wear gloves, can the Washington Redskins still play football? Can Notre Dame? Can West Point? Oh, Jed Bartlett of the West Wing. Quite possibly Aaron Sorkin's most iconic creation, a neoliberal wet dream, somebody who is sort of 
you know, a, a, a fantasy character skimming across a bunch of caricatures of real world events, none of which are actually all that realistic, but all of them happen to be solved by the creator of the West Wing's favorite thing, a soaring monologue. He is a great but flawed man. And he gets shot. All right. So let's let's actually think about this. He has humanity in a way that a lot of politicians are scared to, right? That's a major theme for Jed Bartlett. He takes himself out of action when his daughter is held hostage. But he can be a little bit bare knuckle. Not so much that you think he's a total piece of garbage, but he's a shrewd player of the game. And let's also understand that on the D&D character sheet of Jed Bartlett, he is OP when it comes to oratory. Let's not forget, in his second term, he wins the presidency. He's behind in the polls. He wins the presidency by out-debating his opponent. Oh, Aaron Sorkin. Love you. Let's match him up against this man. Uh, you're spending $47 million on an ad campaign to boost consumer confidence in the American auto industry. Yes, sir. Uh, well, you see, it's designed to bolster individual uh, confidence in a previous domestic automotive purchase. So we're spending $47 million so that somebody can feel better about a car that they've already bought? Yes, sir, but I wouldn't characterize that way. No, no, I'm sure that's important, but... I don't want to tell some eight-year-old kid that he's got to sleep in the street because we want people to feel better about their car. Do you want to tell him that? No, sir. No, I sure don't. Dave Kovich. Yeah, Dave isn't really president. <laughs> Uh, if you've never seen Dave, you should watch Dave. It's a great Kevin Klein movie. Boy, Kevin Klein had a hell of a run. But Dave is a Prince and the Pauper story. So the actual president has a heart attack. His Machiavellian uh, aides do not want to reveal that to the public. So instead of revealing that, they get a presidential impersonator to pretend he's the president. But you know what happens? All of a sudden, everybody around the White House and soon everybody around the country begins to love the new version of the president. And so he becomes more popular. It actually seemingly repairs the relationship between the president and the first lady until the first lady realizes that it's not the same man she married. Uh, eventually all is, you know, put out there. And Dave does decide that he's going to run for office. So let's put him up against Jed Bartlett in a campaign. We've got a two-term president who's kind of been through the ringer, but no matter what has been there, Versus a guy who technically was president. He technically was serving the people of the United States of America. 
but he actually wasn't. He wasn't elected. He was in some weird scheme. I don't think this one is very close, but we will leave it up to our judge and whatever arguments that you would like to make. In fact, I will say this to the young American at gmail.com. Anybody who writes in the most impassioned pitch, let's keep these short, right? Let's keep these to about a paragraph, but the most impassioned pitch for Dave over Jed Bartlett, you will be my party star next week. If anybody can make a very impassioned pitch for why Dave should be over Jed Bartlett. And look, I know there's a lot of West Wing haters out there. I know that the hater rate is thick for the West Wing. There are some people out here who believe that the West Wing literally ruined America because neoliberals got it in their head that this could be what what life should be. Without realizing that Aaron Sorkin's kind of a formulaic writer. So there we go. That is our second bracket. Coming up, we have our no-holds-barred bracket and our apocalypse bracket. It's all coming up after the break. This is your Update brought to you by TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Again, TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you can support this show. You can get a ad-free feed of this program for only $1 a week at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. You can also get bonus episodes, including a bonus episode every Monday and every Thursday if you are at the $3 a week level and more. Head on over there right now. Take Politics Seriously. Dot com. Here are the stories that you need to know about. MAGA favorite Kathy Barnett says that she will not run for Senate in Pennsylvania. If you need a refresher on Kathy Barnett, she was the dark horse in the McCormick versus Oz primary in the midterms. She had a late run. She is a MAGA purist. She campaigned a lot with Doug Mastriano. And really the most compelling element of her is that she has a very personal pro-life tale in that she is the product of a rape of her mother. So if you ever wonder how pro-life is Kathy Barnett, that pro-life for Kathy Barnett. However, if she were going to run this time, she would have to run against Doug Mastriano. And that does not seem to be something that she wants to do. Mastriano is still in it for now. And McCormick, who very barely lost to Dr. Oz, is also in the running. In my opinion, if McCormick does not win over Mastriano, this one is a safe Democratic seat. Mostly because I actually liked Mastriano in the room. He can't raise money and he doesn't want to reach out beyond his base. And if he can't do either of those two things, I don't think you can win in a gigantic state like Pennsylvania. Environmental groups are suing the Biden administration over the Alaskan oil project. The ConocoPhillips Willow Oil Project in Alaska got the go-ahead 
from the Biden administration, and yet it will be subject to, I mean, I'm, I'm sure what will eventually be several lawsuits. The first is six environmental groups filing one this week against the project. The project is estimated to produce about 576 million barrels of oil over the next 30 years, located on a portion of Alaska's North Slope. The project was initially given the go-ahead during the Trump administration and has the backing of officials, including Senator Lisa Murkowski, some Alaska native leaders, and unions. Look, Alaska loves oil because they get paid off it. But I would be shocked if this thing starts getting built, uh, you know, soon. The only big thing that would be very interesting, if not to me, very funny, is when the Biden administration starts supporting the lawsuits against the project that he approved. That will eventually be funny for me, and I am almost positive that it will eventually happen. And Donald Trump has begun his attack on DeSantis on policy grounds. Look at that. Look at that. This is starting to look like a regular ass presidential primary, except for the fact that DeSantis, you know, hasn't announced that he's running. The policy positions that he is attacking DeSantis on this week, while in Davenport, Iowa, Trump went after DeSantis on ethanol. You know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Republicans attacking each other on ethanol. Quote, Trump, he strongly opposes ethanol. You know that? And we don't even know if he's running. But I might as well tell you, if he's not running, I'll say he was fine on ethanol. Don't worry about it. But he strongly opposed ethanol and fought against it at every turn. He's going to do that again because people that come out early for something, that's where they go. So he may do something politically, but he was very, very bad on ethanol. He fought it all the way. This is something that we also knew about. Social Security and Medicare is a, a position that DeSantis took while he was in the House he was more in that Paul Ryan camp when he was in the House, and now Donald Trump is going to attack him on it. Quote, he fought against Social Security. He wanted to decimate it and voted against it three times. Voted against Social Security. That's a bad one. A lot of people don't know that. But I think we've been finding out over the past four weeks one of the reasons we're zooming in the polls, perhaps. Of course, DeSantis also made headlines based on him saying that Ukraine is not a vital national interest to the United States. And look, I want you to listen to this. This was, according to CBS, Trump to reporters on his plane. What have I told you guys? Donald Trump would be best making Ron DeSantis Lil Trump. Don't even... Say he's bad. Just say he's small. Just say he's not me. He's he's my mini me, right? So so this is uh, Trump's quote. Quote: It's a flip flop. He was totally different. Whatever I want, he wants. And follow this up. By the way, remember when uh, last week we were talking about Nikki Haley possibly being a vice presidential pick for Donald Trump? Here's Nikki Haley on Ron DeSantis. Quote, President Trump is right when he says Governor DeSantis is copying him. First in his style, then on entitlement reform, now on Ukraine. Republicans deserve a choice, not an echo. Mm. And that is your update. 
Head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com if you want more stuff like this on Sundays, on Thursdays. Well, the Sunday show is on Monday. Anyway, it's covering the Sunday shows. It comes out on Monday. Regardless, it's, it is it is good for you. I think it's a good slate of programming. Thank you to everybody who supports us. Take politics seriously. Let's get back to the show. Tonight, I give you the truth. And the truth is this. The American dream has failed you. Work hard, play by the rules. You aren't guaranteed success. Your children will not have a better life than you did. 10 million of you can't even get a job even though you desperately want one. We've been crippled by Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, by welfare, by entitlements. And that is the root of the problem entitlements. Let me be clear. You are entitled to nothing. You are entitled to nothing. America was built on the spirit of industry. You build your future. It isn't handed to you. Oh, it's the bare knuckle bracket. We don't care about cancellation here. We don't give a hoot about cancellation in this particular bracket. Frank Underwood of House of Cards. Now, House of Cards, you kind of lost the plot, you know, later into the uh, uh, seasons before they had a cast change. But if you really look at what Frank Underwood achieved It's not a lot. He spent the vast majority of that show trying to stay in power and acquire power. He didn't really do a lot that he was given credit for. It was largely just trying to keep his head above water. He had a gigantic America Works program, but largely the the biggest thing that he would probably run on is... Islamic terror. He he portrayed himself as strong on Islamic terror, largely because he helped inflame and cause it and demonstrated to the rest of the country. So a bit of a lightweight policy wise, but not insubstantial. You know, he was he was in office. He eventually gets run out of office and his wife becomes president. But blah, blah, blah. He matches up against this man. In fact, since this factory closed, how many of you have found work? Let me see a show of hands. Right, right. And how many of you work jobs that just pay the rent no matter how many hours you put in? I see. My mama worked jobs like that after my dad had died. I remember her coming home from work just bone weary. You know what I mean. And I, I know she wanted to play with me and ask me about school. But sometimes you're just too tired to do anything but heat up a TV dinner and blob out in front of the tube. You got that one right. There you go. And I don't have to tell you how hard it is to be looking for work. Hey, I don't have to tell you anything about hard times. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something really outrageous. I'm going to tell the truth. (laughs) I know. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking he must really be desperate to do that. But if you had to swallow enough garbage. You can say shit. We're (laughs) X-rated. Yeah, me too, if you believe what you read in the paper. (laughs) Now, 
Now, this is a very interesting matchup because for whatever you think of Frank Underwood, we see him as president through House of Cards. We only see President Stanton at the very end of the movie Primary Colors. If you're not familiar with this movie, I'd encourage you to watch it. And and really, I'd encourage you to read the book that it's based on. It was written by a political reporter who covered Bill Clinton. There's a reason why Jack Stanton is Bill Clinton. There's a reason why his wife is Hillary Clinton. And there's a reason why his political advisor is James Carville. Like these are all archetypes for which are fictionalized, obviously, because in primary colors, there is some real sharp elbows. Now, we don't get into the world of uh, of illicit menage a trois or murder like we do in House of Cards, but it gets about as nasty and dirty as a political, a realistic political campaign can get. To stay in political contention, the Stanton campaign ruins lives, ruins lives of uh, young women, ruins lives of old political standards, ruins lives of bystanders. They don't care who they have to step on to get to the White House. I will have to say that a campaign between Jack Stanton and Frank Underwood would be among the most brutal, disgusting, no-hold-barred presidential campaigns I can ever even imagine. I would love to see you guys pitch who will come out on top with this one because I can't even imagine. I mean, like imagine with these, with the scandals that both of these guys have the other campaign digging up those scandals. Oh, Frank Underwood bringing up that Stanton impregnated a 17 year old Stanton bringing up the fact that, uh, 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 Frank Underwood slept with a reporter and then killed her. Oh, crazy stuff. We got one more first round matchup. Let's get it going. It is only prudent that we now take cautionary steps to ensure the continuation of our way of life. To guarantee that there will be enough of us left to rebuild a new world in the unlikely event that the comets do strike the Earth. So... In the soft limestone of Missouri, we've been preparing a network of immense caves, and they're almost finished. And we can put a million people in them. And that million people can survive there underground for two years until the air clears and the dust settles. And the cave is more than a dormitory. It's our new Noah's Ark. We're storing seeds and seedlings, plants, animals, enough to start over. On August 10th, a computer will randomly select 800,000 Americans to join the 200,000 scientists, doctors, engineers, teachers, soldiers, and artists who have already been chosen. Ah, Morgan Freeman's Tom Beck from Deep Impact. Now, President Beck doesn't play a gigantic role in Deep Impact, but it was certainly in that realm of time where we really, really, really just wanted Morgan Freeman to be in charge of us. He was president. He was God. You know, he's he's uh, red and 
uh, Shawshank Redemption. We just wanted him to talk to us. We wanted, we listened to Morgan Freeman's voice, still do. We listened to Morgan Freeman's voice and, and we're just kind of soothed by it. But also, I feel like this movie does not give enough of a, a, uh, uh, enough of a focus on the fact that President Beck hid from the American people a asteroid that could murder everybody. It's not until our heroine, Taylor Leone, actually confronts him, assuming that there is a, a mistress or something named Ellie, that she realizes that the ELE is an extinction level event. And so... She winds up playing ball with President Beck when he announces to the world that indeed there is an asteroid coming to hit the Earth and America and Russia are united to try to stop it. You know, not not great. I feel like Tucker Carlson would have a few things to say about President Beck hiding an asteroid that's about to kill everybody. But he goes up against somebody else who's keeping a secret from the American public. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. <laughs> now then, Dimitri, you know how we've always talked about the possibility of something going wrong with the bomb. The bomb, Dimitri. The hydrogen bomb. Well, now, what happened is um, one of our base commanders, he had a sort of, well, he went a little funny in the head. You know, just a little funny. And uh, he went and did a silly thing. If you have not seen Dr. Strangelove, for the love of God, please go watch it. It is among one of the greatest movies ever made. Uh, this is rote at this point, but now I feel like I'm old enough that I'm talking to people that may or may not have seen it. So please go see it. Here's something that you need to know. And if you are a fan of Raise the Dead, where we talked a lot about Adlai Stevenson, Merkin Muffley, as is credited at the, be at the beginning of this movie is based on Adlai Stevenson. Adlai Stevenson was, I mean, one of the original archetypical lovable losers of the Democratic Party. Oh, did the elbow patch academics love him? The kids loved him. He's very much like in that Bernie Sanders, the modern Bernie Sanders archetype. That's Adlai Stevenson. And yet, in this movie where a rogue American military officer essentially sets off nuclear holocaust, Merkin Muffley, Merkin being a wig for the private parts, Muffley being, you know, a reference to a female bathing suit area, you can get a sense on uh, uh, exactly how manly this movie makes Merkin Muffley. Now, here's the problem. If, 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 if Muffley, if President Muffley is running on his record, his record includes the nuclear holocaust of the entire world. 
He can't keep control of his military. He can't organize with the Russians to or the Soviets at this point to to ensure that this doesn't end ugly. It's a real cluster. He would have a uh, a, a, a real uphill fight against Tom Beck, because at the end of the day, if we're running on record, Tom Beck avoided the apocalypse. Merkin Muffley definitely kind of oversaw it. But still, you know, there's there's uh, there's probably an argument here. We can't fight. It's a war room. Okay, so those are our initial slate of fictitious presidents. We have James Marshall from Air Force One versus Thomas J. Whitmore from Independence Day. That's our first battle. Josiah Bartlett from the West Wing. Jed Bartlett from the West Wing versus Dave Kovich from Dave. We have Frank Underwood versus... Jack Stanton from Primary Color. So House of Cards versus Primary Colors. And then we have Tom Beck from Deep Impact versus Merkin Muffley from Dr. Strangelove. We're not doing any voting on this. These will be determined by the guests we bring on next week, but you can help sway them. The Young American at Gmail. Dot com. I want short pitches for your favorite presidents and specifically why they would be better than the person that they're running against. No matter what the case, we are deciding who wins based on who would win in a campaign between the two of them. So there we go. We're going we're gonna to do this. I don't know if they'll all be the full episode. Uh, uh, but we will do this each Friday for the next few weeks until we eventually decide who the greatest fictitious president of all time truly is. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Our show is edited by Brett Stewart. If you'd like to email the show with your pitches, email me with your pitches, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Our Twitter is px3tweets. You can find me on Twitter, Justin R. Young. You can find me on Twitch, px3live.com. Our podcast is px3podcast.com. Share it with your friends, family, and clergy. Uh, And I finally changed it to point to the right website because we switch hosts. So, yeah. You can support us, paypal.me slash payjury with a one-time donation. Again, if you just want to give me just, you know, buck or two, paypal.me slash payjury. Venmo money isn't even real. Justin-young-20 is where you need to send that. Our cash app is... PX3 cash and you can send anything physical to me in the mail. P.O. Box 153184 Austin, Texas 78715 Of course you can always get bonus content from TakePoliticsSeriously.com Our $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule and our $10 tier gets your name read at the end of the show like these fine folks in the time. Titanic, ten dollar tier. 
Dustin, Jason, Andres, C. Garcia, El Basso, John, Matt, Craig Potts, MC Dradio, Unsaved DB Levels, Katie, Amanda, Yield, Pinball Shop, DB4 Bongo, Kneemeister, Catherine, Todd, and Vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order, Edison, Up, Up, Down, Down, Left, Right, Left, Right, BA Select, Start, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris Arslanian, Blue Front and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Molly's Dashing Debut, Miranda Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul. He is awesome. Brad, Richard, just another pilot, middle aged Mike who loves Frank got abducted, Utah, Jimmy, Montana, the Gen, A, L, D, L, D, L, D. Really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua. If you would like your name read at the end of this here program, then you can do so. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. I hope everybody has a good weekend. Chilly here in Austin as South by Southwest continues to roll on. We're going to have to roll on some uh, long sleeve shirts, some pants, maybe some long johns. High of 40 here in the old capital of Texas. But. Until next time, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss all three. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.